0: Chapter Fifteen Part One of the Nightland by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Nightland. Chapter Fifteen Past the House of Silence. Part One. Now it was in the tenth hour of that day that we put off in the raft, and surely we found the paddles to go very easy and with somewhat of balance in the rests which I had set up, as you do mind and the raft to go forward with not overmuch of labor, so that we stood, the maid to the fore paddle and I did be to the hinder one, and we pushed very steady upon the paddles, and had the raft presently to a speed something less than we should walk over the rough way of the land. And about the twelfth hour we stopped and eat and drunk, and went on again with our easy laboring and truly when that we gat set to the movement we scarce to what that we did aught more than rock something fore and back upon our feet, and so the hours to pass, and we to have a constant gentle speech one with the other, and the maid oft to look back unto me with love and to set her lips that she tempt me, but yet to shake her head most dear, when that I would leave my paddle that I go forward unto her. And when that the eighteenth hour of that day was come, we to draw inward our paddles, and the maid set the cloak very nice to be our bed, and afterward we eat and drank, and so presently to our slumber, and did have sleep very sound and happy all in a moment as it to seem. And eight good hours after we did waken both of us together, and lo, we scarce to mind where we did be for a little moment, but afterward to know and to perceive that we did be safe and not to have come unto us in our sleep. And surely we laughed each in the face of the other, for we did be so joyous to be wakened each unto the knowledge of the other. And after that we had kissed, we washed somewhat in the water of the sea, and so to our food, and when we had eaten drunk, and made again to the paddling, and went forward thus along the coast very peaceful and content all that day. Now in all that voyaging did take four good days of four-and-twenty hours each for we made no great haste or labor, but went easy, that I have time to gather my strength. And naught to happen in all that time, save that once we did see a great beast to come upward lumbersome out of the sea on to the shore, and there did eat and browse upon the herbage in that part, or so it did seem to us, though truly we did be over far off to have surety. And this beast not to put us into any horror but only to make us glad that we be afar off from it, and by this saying I to mean that it did seem unto us a natural thing, and nowise to have an odour of aught monstrous to trouble our spirits. And this way to be all the creatures of that country, and truly I do think the early world did be somewise like to it, and this to seem to make true that olden saying that extreme things do meet as doth be over-apparent. For thus doth be somewise to our knowings, as you shall perceive by your reasonings upon olden days, and by the showings of this mine own story, for that deep world to have put forth natural creatures that did be even as might be those that did live in the beginning, though I to make no point of this, but only that it doth occur to my thought, and all to seem that it did be bred of circumstance and condition yet this to have no saying whether that there to be a spiritual force something deeper than the circumstance, for this to be outside of any surety, but not offensive unto my reason. But this thinking also neither to offend me, that although much, and mayhap all, doth be modified and shapen diverse ways by the circumstance and the condition, yet doth there be an inward force that doth be peculiar each unto each though mayhap to be mixed and made monstrous or diverse by foul or foolish breeding, as you to have knowledge of in the bodies of those dread monsters that did be both man and beast. Yet also I here to say that may be all-diverse breeding not to be monstrous, but this to be beside my point, for I to be now set to tell, as I have told, that it not to offend me to suppose that there to be this inward force peculiar to each shaping of all bodies that do hold that wondrous quality of life, and if that you ask me that I give example to make clear my thought, I to say that it doth be reasonable to suppose that the force or spirit of the human doth be peculiar to the human, whether that it to be a cause of life, or the result of that which hath been evolved out of a condition and whether to be the one way or the other, you to know that where this force or spirit be found untainted there is man. And I to be not opposed to think that man doth be constant alway in matters of fundament, and neither to have been ever truly different, though something modified in the body and surely, in the first, all undeveloped in the lovely things of the spirit, because that there to be no call to these yet presently they likewise to come and to act upon the flesh with refinings, and likewise mayhap there to be some act of the flesh upon the spirit. And so to the state of this age of this our day and to that far age of which I do tell. But development never to make the human other than the human, for the development to have limits peculiar to the human and surely it doth appeal to me that the development of man doth lie between two points, that be not wondrous wide apart, and man to have power that he arrive very speedy from one unto the other, and likewise that he go back so quick or even the more hasty. Yet even did it be ever proved that man wants to be a fish, I to have no cause to abate the first part of mine argument but to have the more need of the thought that I gain power to accept the fact, for I still then to have no occasion that I think man to have been truly a fish or ought truly different from a man, but only that he did be once modified physically to his need, and to be still possessed of the man-spirit though all lacked of development. Yet truly I to be less offended in my reason if that it be shown that man did be ever somewise in his present shape though mayhap so brutish as the humped men, but yet I do be ready to consider all matters and do build no walls about my reason. Yet neither I to have an over-ready acceptance of aught but to need that my reason shall approve. And you to perceive, surely, that I hear not to speak of that which may be afterward, when that all this our life be done. For who shall say how much or how little we then to go forward unto loveliness? And I at this point to tell you that I do have a wondrous hope of beauteous things, and of sweet and mighty uplifting and furtherance unto that glad world which we have beheld the shores of when that we had stood in holiness with the beloved. And in verity I now once more to my story and to be glad that I am done at this small setting forth of a matter which did need words, because that it did have root in this mine own story, and to be grown of it and from it. Now there did be one other thing of note, beside the sea-beast, whilst that we did be upon the seas, and this did be the strangeness of a great fire-hill which did stand in the sea, and we to pass very nigh unto it. And surely the sea did boil about it, yet not in all places and there did be a score great jets that did go upward a monstrous way, and did roar very plain to us across the sea between. And there did come strange gruntings from the sea about the base of the fire-hill, and these I to conceive to be made by the upbursting of gases in this place and that, and surely it all to make us to know of the great energy that did be wakeful in that deep country, and we yet to stare backward upon that hill of fire and force for a great while after that we had come past. Now beyond this there to be naught, except that we had a certain care as we did come to that place where the great sea did be broke to smaller seas, but all to be knit with passages of water which led us through upon our way. And surely I did show mine own maid those two places where I did sleep when first I was come into that country and she to be sweet in interest, and alway to have somewhat that she would learn of this and that. And so, when that we did be four good days upon the water, as I have told, we to come to the land upon a flat place of the shore, where the country did slope upward unto the mouth of the first gorge, of which you do mind. And this to be in the tenth hour of that day, and we likewise to have begun that voyage in the tenth hour, as you do remember and surely it to have been a sweet and peaceful water journey, and I to have been happy if that all that did be yet before us to hold so much of pleasantness and safe goings. But indeed there to be much danger yet to come as you do know, and we to have our hearts set in courage and to go forward to conquer, for surely if that we to conquer and to come safe into our mighty home there to be then that we have all our life together in loveliness, and this to be truly a worthy prize and a glory of the heart, to end and to repay our stress. And surely the maid and I did presently strand the raft so well as we might, and did then to wonder whether any should evermore to behold it through all eternity. And we looked a little each at the other and the maid then to cut free a small piece of the wood of the raft to be for an after remembrance. And so we to have our gear upon the shore, and the maid then to give me aid that I get once more into mine armor, and so I presently to have the scrip and the pouch again to my back, and the discos in my hand and in all readiness, and the maid with her bundle, that was now grown small, and her belt about her body, that she have her knife into her hand, And surely the maid then to kneel and to kiss the raft, for memories did gather upon her, and she there to have one more breaking from all that did be the first part of her life, and you to give your understanding, and so to have a quiet sympathy, and to perceive that her heart did be like that it should stir with a strange trouble of sorrowing in that moment. And surely I stooped then, very gentle and loving, and had mine own to her feet and I led her from the raft, and she to need that she be near me, and so we to go forward, and to make upward unto the dark mouth of the great gorge. And there to be some miles unto our right that grim and utter huge mountain, whereon afar upward in the monstrousness of the night did be perched those four fire-hills of which I have told. And below them there to go upward the great hills of ash that had been cast down throughout eternity. And this thing had the maid looked upon for a great time, and did be never done of her wonder, neither I nor any human that ever should have sight of so great a wonder. And so we to have come presently upward into the high mouth of the gorge, and did go onward then into the gloom a little space, until that we were come to the place where the gorge did bend sharp unto the left into darkness. And lo, we made pause here, and turned again unto the country of seas, that we have a last outward look over all that deep and living land, that did be hid so far downward in the everlasting night of the world. And in verity it did be a solemn thing to know that we, mayhap, to be the last of the olden humans that should ever to look upon that country, and I to wonder in that moment whether that the humped men should ever to develop, in some far eternity, unto the full sweetness of the spirit of humanity which I did think to be inward of them. And this to be both an odd and a natural thought to have, then, as I do see. But at that time I only to think it, and not to wot or to trouble whether that it did be odd or otherwise. And I to think that country did be somewise as the olden time renewed. But truly, we to look upon early things with new eyes. And we yet to look awhile, and to be hushed, and to hark in those last moments unto the far mutter of the great fire mountains and the fire hills, and the noise of life which did go over that land. And we even then to be but a few short pacings off from the silence of the great gorge, which would lead us presently toward the eternal strangeness which did be in the night land and the maid did hold mine arm very close as we looked our last into the red light of that deep and hid country of the world, where, in verity, we had come so utter nigh to our death. And presently I turned, and the maid slipped her hand into mine, and the tears did go silent down her face, because of all that did be pressed upon her heart. But yet not to be all of sorrow, for there to be both sorrow and happiness. And also there did be somewhat of vague emotion that she never more to look upon that dear island where she had nursed her man again unto life and well-being, and she to be in mind of all those places where she to know that in after-life her memory to wander, and she to have oft-told tales, mayhap, unto her children, of that country that they never to see, but only to be for a wonder to them for ever. And we passed then round the mighty corner-place of the gorge, and went forward, somewhat stumbling, into the gloom. Now we went sixteen hours very steady, and with naught save the great darkness to trouble us. And we by this to have been twenty and six hours since last that we had sleep, and surely this did be a foolishness, because that I to need that I come to my full strength ere we reach the night-land and it to be a folly that I should overtire myself, and the maid to have said so much. And indeed then we came to a safe place for our slumber, and whilst that we eat and drunk we made count for my notings of the outward way, and so did decide that we go no more than sixteen hours' journey each day through the gorge, and to sleep alway for eight good hours. And this we to do, both then and until that we did become out of the great gorge, which did take us in all so much as five days thiswise. And surely, when that we were come into the light places of the gorge, we to be more cheered, as you shall suppose, yet oft did we be half smothered with the horrid gases that came upward in this part and that, as you do mind. And my strength did grow constant as we journeyed, yet would the maid never suffer that I carry her, but went alway very light and clever, and was grown, in truth, set unto this constant wander. And at this place and that I to make pause that I show mine own those places where I did slumber, and she alway to need that she come unto the very part, and that she stand for a little moment where I did lie so lonesome, as I went outward unto that despairful searching. And alway she then to be uttered tender with me, and to be something lacking of speech, because of the calling of her heart. And surely own did be alway now to ask me when that we should be come unto the night-land, and to require how far it should be, and to be taken with a growing of excitement, very dear and natural, and in verity I to be almost so much so as she, and to wonder what she to think of the mighty redoubt, and of all that strange and monstrous land. And above all these I to be shaken unto my very heart that I have them made speedy unto safety. Lest, after all, even though we to have come so far, there somewhat to happen of woe! And all this did make it a hard thing that we not to begin to race, and to exceed the hours that we did set, but truly we had wisdom in this matter and slumbered alway after the sixteenth hour. And we never to see aught of life in all that great and desolate gorge for there did be only the gas-burnings and the boulders and the stark rocks, and oft the rank-smellings of the gases, and alway an utter and everlasting quiet, save when some lonesome gas-fire did oddly to moan or to whistle, and the whistling to sound very dree across the great waste of the gorge, and likewise the moaning to be but a thing to make the loneliness to be felt in the heart, and the maid to feel thus with me and alway, as I did know, she to think in her heart that I did come through that place alone to make a searching for her into the unknown lands of the world, and surely I did be but a natural man if that I was something happy in my heart that mine own so to ponder and to remember, for thereby did her love seem ever to grow. And likewise a man doth be glad in his spirit and natural pride that is made to know that he hath done wholesomely of his best for her need. And you but to think upon the love-days, and to hear the echoes of those dear proud thoughts that did so to swell in you, and doth not all to go so strangely with familiar pain in the old way. Now it was upon the fifth day, in about the seventh hour, that I heard whiles a sound in this place and that of the gorge as that the rocks made hushed and strange sounds at us. And I to have them made instant very nigh to me, and the discos to my hand, and we then to go onward with a great caution. And thrice we did pass places where gas-fires did burn and dance, and made oft a low moaning and somewhiles a little whistling, and the other sounds yet to come oddly from the rocks in this place and that, very strange and unthought of, yet to be something familiar. And sudden it did come to me that there to be a far away noise in these sounds, though they to seem to come from this place and that almost to mine elbow, as you should say. And lo, I knew then that I harked unto little echoings that did be caught by the near rocks and to come from some far and mighty sound. And this should be surely the monstrous piping of the great gas-fountain that you do well mind and in verity I told mine own in a moment, and she to be all eager with me, because that this to be both a wondrous thing, and to be also a landmark, to show that we did be nigh to come out of the gorge, and our journey to come the more near unto an ending. And surely we looked ahead very earnest, there to be so many strange and leaping fires to our front, that we not to be very sure which did be the far and monstrous dance of the great gas-fountain for truly it to be yet so distant, that the near-gas fires did make more upon the eye up all of a weary length of the gorge, than did the great dance of the far-off fire that was now so small by the distance. And presently, when that we were gone onward something more, we to see that there went a lightning and a darkening afar along the gorge, so that the background of the night was made to lose somewhat of the intensity of its darkness, as with the constant shudders of light, and this to be surely the far-away dance of the flame of the great gas fountain. And we then to watch Alway as we journeyed, and to see how that the vague shudderings of light did grow in the distance of the night, and did merge and become known presently in a strange uplifting and falling of a far-away blue flame and the sound now to come more steady, and to grow in a long while into a monstrous piping, very great and wonderful, and having a constant change in the note. And we to come past the last of the lesser fires, and to be in that part of the gorge which did be fireless, save for the great upward dance of the gas-fountain, which did now to be grown huge and plain seen, and did make a quaking light over all the gorge and so in the end we to come very nigh to the dance of the monstrous flame, and did be half stunned by the noise which did be now an utter and furious roaring, as you shall remember. And the maid and I did stand as but two lonesome strangers in the mouth-part of that deep and desolate gorge, and did stare voiceless unto the great flaw. And mine arm did be about the maid, and she to stand very nigh to me, and neither to speak, and surely How should we anywise, for the noise did be so huge! And after that we had stared a great while, we turned that we look each at the other, and we kissed very sober, there in the light from the monster flame, and afterward we did stare again at the flame, and soon turned and looked always, and did marvel to see the great throw of the light go blue and spreading and strange unto great distances and a while we did be watching the way that the far-off side of the gorge did come plain to sight, when that the flame did leap, and truly that did seem a far and lonesome place, as that a lost and forgot world of desolate mountains did be there. And lo, we now to look that we should see somewhat of the way that our journey to go, and surely nought to be clear shown save when the flame did rise whiles to a monstrous height and this to be because of the huge rocks that did stand about the flame. Yet something I was able to show the maid of the bottom part of the mighty and utter monster slope that did be the last way of our journey ere we were come to the nightland. And we then to go onward for about a good mile, that we be not so deafened by the noise of the gas-fountain and it did be now beyond the seventeenth hour, so that we eat and drunk, and made our rest in a secure place among the great boulders. And, lo, when that we waked, we eat and drunk again and did be something silent, as we to gaze at the flame-dancing monstrous, and lonesome and all set about with the stark and mighty rocks, which did be like unto giants of silence that did watch for ever. And presently we had our gear upon us, and we went forward toward the utter dark of the mighty slope, and we began that huge climb that should last through days in an eternity of night. And oft in the first hours did we turn about from our blind stumblings, and gaze downward out of the long height unto the loom of the flame that did shudder far below in the night, and made a quaking light in that far darkness and so did we leave it to dance forever through eternity in that deep and lost place of the world, and we bent all our will and our strength unto the climb. And this way went we stumbling for sixteen great hours, and by that time had come to a pace proper for that task, and to be something numbed and seeming grown unreal because of the affecting of the darkness. And lo, for eight days, then, did we go upward for ever through that most dreadful night! And after the first day we crept alway upon our hands and our knees, and I to go in the front and had the discos ready upon my hip. And I took two of the straps from the pouch and the scrip, and so had a certain length, and I set them from the waist-belt of the maid unto mine own belt, and so did know ever that she came close after me and we made journey sixteen hours long, and did eat and drink at the sixth and the twelfth hours, and likewise we eat and drank ere we slept, and again upon our wakings, and our slumber-time to go alway somewheres about eight good hours, for thus did I be heedful that we have all our strength for that dreadness of the journey which did be yet before us across the fear and horrid terror of the nightland. And oft, at this time and that, I was utter sickened and awearied of reaching forward and upward for ever, and making blind fumblings that I find a way about great boulders and the rocks and holes that did be in our path in the dark, for it to seem that we went lost from all life and knowing, in a blackness that should be never slackened from about us. And I these times to make a pause and to call softly unto my own that she creep up nigh unto me and I then to take her into mine arms out of the utter blackness of that night, and so to give and to have comfort. And surely own did whisper once unto me that she did be stunned with love and wonder in the heart, for she to never cease to know that I did adventure through this great night that I find her, and this thing did make me very warm in my heart as you shall think, but yet I to stop her speech with a gentle kiss, and she then to know that she be dumb concerning her thought in this matter, yet she never to cease from remembering it, and did be the more stirred with the trouble of her lovely secret worship, for in verity she to have me to be for her hero, and this to make me in the same moment both something shamed and greatly proud. And so we to be together and after such pause to go forward again with a new courage. And surely it did be a great comfort to me to think that, because we to go upward and not downward, we be not like to fall over any hid cliff in the night, for I to have now some little knowing of the slope from mine outward journey, yet to remember upon that monstrous pit that I then to escape, and so to go with care. And indeed upon the second day I had my own to creep more nigh with me and I then to have but one strap between us, and the other I set a stone into, and it cast the stone alway before us, as upon the outward way. And you to mind you of this if you but to think a little minute. And oft in those weary days in the darkness did I make gentle whisperings through the blackness unto mine own, that I give cheer unto her, and she alway to answer, very sweet and loving, yet ever hushed as I did be and in verity it did be as that we could not set our voices loud upon that mighty slope, lest some enchantment come upon us as it might be said. And indeed, each time that I cast the stone, the noise of the stone to make a little trouble and dismalness in mine ears, for all did be so quiet and desolate and lost in night, that it to make us to need to be likewise so quiet, and to desire that we might go upward so silent as shadows. Now surely I must tell here how that the may to have alway at waking that same awareness that I did have upon the outward way, that somewhat did be nigh to us and to seem to have been concerned with our waking, and I likewise to have also the same knowledge as before. And oft as we did go, I to feel that somewhat did go near to us and this to put something of a fear upon me, because that I was ever anxious for mine own, and I to have her to be alway the more nigh to me, and did set the trap from her to me even when that she slept, so that she not to be touched and I to lack to know. Yet she to have no fear concerning this thing, but to feel in her spirit that it did be a force that had no evil intent unto us, but more neither she nor I to know and I in truth to come in the end used to it, save that I did be, as I have told, anxious in all that did concern the life and well-being of my beloved. And so did we go onward through those eight days. And it soon to be grown cold, so that we both to knead the cloak over us in our slumbers, but in the journey hours to need not, for the upward going did surely heat us very well and there also to become presently a change and a seeming of thinness into the air, and the made to remark upon this, and likewise that the water-powder now to be that it not to fizz so plentiful. And we went upward as it did seem for ever, and journeyed very hushed and steadfast, and likewise did halt at set times that we eat and drink, and did always sit then very close and quiet and in love and so alway to go never beyond sixteen hours' journey each day, and very weariful even so much, for it to be a sore and constant labor of climbing. And I to learn the hour alway, by a little shining of the discos upon my time-dial, which I have told did be somewise as the watch of this our present age. Yet truly I also to learn that I made somewhat of a constant number of forward throws of the stone in an hour, and the maid to be the first to discover this as she did creep behind me and hark steadfast and quiet unto the clatter of the stone each time that I cast it, and she sometimes to call low to me that it now to be this time or that time, and I to look at my dial, as I have told, and oft to find that she did be curiously right. Yet otherwhiles we to have no thought to count, but made a constant hush talk one to the other and did grow odd times, that it did seem to us that we did be two spirits there in an everlasting darkness, that had quiet speech one to the other, and to be seeming gone from our bodies. And we then to need that we look each at the other, that we know truly that we yet to live and to be indeed with the Beloved. And I then alway to make the disco spin a little, yet something more than when I should see the hour and in verity our faces then to show pale and strange seeming in that luminous glowing of the great weapon in the darkness, and we to look very eager and hungered of love each at the other. And so to need that we be held loving by the beloved, and so to have comfort and assuredness, and afterward to have peace to go onward again and it did be one such time as these that my known to give me a love-name she had called me in those olden days of this age, and which surely I had not heard since Murdath died. And in verity you to have dear understanding with me how that I then to be all troubled with vague troubles and ghostly love-aches in the heart. And likewise, I did be all set about in a moment by the olden enchantment and speechless glamour that did be so long hid and lost in the spaces of memory, where surely the spirit doth wander such odd wiles, hushed unto a dumb tearlessness, and to know in the same moment both agony and the voiceless glory and lost delight of the hath-been. So that it doth be as that you wandered in the spirit between the sorrowful pain of the sunset and the promise of the dawn which doth be builded upon the need and hope of the soul, and doth also to have an essence of pain within it, because that these do be knit with longing which doth be the essential pang of memory. And so, mayhap, you to have gone with me, for you to have also strange thoughts that do come out of the ears, and do hurt the heart, even whilst that the heart doth hunger of that which doth so pain. Yet truly mine own did be now with me, as you do know, so that I had joy all about my heart. Yet did all the years of my lost delights and of my pain be in the spaces of my memory, and mine own now to have stirred all, so that no words that did be ever shaped of man should help me to have ease in speech. End of chapter 15, part 1.